On today's show, I am joined by Danny Noakes over from 1067 The Fan, someone who follows the Nationals just like you and I do. So I'm going to ask him some tough questions as what has surprised him the most with this team and what has he not expected so far in 2023. I'm going to give you all of that and more after this. You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And thank you for making Locked On Nationals your first listen every day as we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Clary, and we have taken this ship of ours, this Nationals fandom, into podcast form here with the Locked On Podcast Network, where you get your team every single day. If you haven't already, check us out over on YouTube at Locked On Nationals. You can follow us at Twitter at LO underscore Nationals as well. But now I'm going to be getting into an interview with Danny Noakes over from 106.7 The Fan. And of course, today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash MLB, And when you enter promo code LOCKEDONMLB, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order. So Danny, how are you doing, my friend? How's your day been? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for asking. Thanks, as always, for having me back on Locked On Nationals. It's always a hoot when we get back <laughs> together. But, you know, it's interesting. I think it's been about a month since the last time you and I linked up to do one of these segments. And I know we were both lamenting over text shortly after we did one of these interviews. And 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 we're, we're giving the Nationals, a, a, you know, the business for, for getting shut out by the Baltimore Orioles, who at the moment were uh, one of the worst starting rotations in uh, Major League Baseball and now obviously we know the American League East is the best division in baseball mm-hmm. with all five of those teams having winning records but the Nationals have turned out to be a pleasant surprise this season and no they don't have a winning record just yet but <laughs> they are, are certainly not nearly as bad coming out the gate as we thought that they would be absolutely not and of course you kind of you led the witness there as to what has been the most surprising factor of this national team and that is exactly what we want to do here so Danny what has been the most surprising thing for you in this nationals team so far in 2023 well I think it's 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 been the clutch hitting because when it comes down to it the the best aspect of this team is the starting rotation and that was absolutely the expectation right we talked about in some of our segments leading up to the season that if the nationals were going to be a decent team this season that it would be led by their starting rotation now back then we thought that they would still have Cade Cavalli in their starting rotation and they don't so it's been guys like Trevor Williams you know who pitched yesterday and and he's someone that has has really filled in his role quite nicely. You know, he's he's certainly not setting the world on fire, but his numbers have been solid. And and then obviously you've got Gray and Gore, who are a couple of young studs, particularly Josiah Gray, who has some of the best numbers all around in Major League Baseball right now. That has not been a surprise. But guys like C.J. Abrams, who who aren't quite as consistent as you want them to be, and, and because they're still young, that's you know, just sort of part of the, the the maturation process. But he has come up with some really big hits this season, some late game hits, a late a late game grand slam, uh, several other late inning hits and, and, and also a home run recently as well. 
uh, you, you've had you've had that from a couple of guys that that you would even less expect it from as well. So they they don't quite have the offense, obviously, and and that was something that again we did expect. But the fact and and because they've been able to stay in these one to two run games, every single game they just played against the Marlins was a one or a two run game. The fact that they've been able to keep it so close means they get they get a chance late in the game to 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 make an impact. And guys like C.J. Abrams have really stepped in and and made him made made the other teams pay for it. Oh yeah, definitely. And you know, with the starting pitching, like I think it's really anyone would say, like the starting pitching staff has been relatively pretty good. Yeah. Like considering Josiah Gray is your number one, he's been great. Sub three ERA, Mackenzie Gore, he's been fantastic in my opinion. Obviously, he got roughed around the other day by mm-hmm. the Marlins, but it's a twenty four year old. This is someone who's entering his first full season in the major leagues. I'm not worried about what he has done so far. In fact, I'm wildly impressed with what he's done. Then Trevor Williams. Trevor Williams has been a pleasant surprise, generating quality starts. And then, of course, the big one, Patrick Corbin not being the worst (laughs) pitcher in Major League Baseball. In fact, in some recent starts, he's been a quality starter which has been the most surprising part in my mind if, you, if you're just singling out a single player here. But with the Nationals, the starting rotation staff has been great this year. But you mentioned C.J. Abrams mm. in that factor. And C.J. Abrams is someone who I look at him in what he brings to the table. He's 22 years old. This is someone who I believe, if he was drafted by the Nationals, wouldn't have been called up to the major leagues as fast as he was. So I still look at C.J. Abrams as kind of like a prospect, triple-A kind of player, a 4A player, as some people call him. So I still view him as a developing thing. Is there any cause of concern so far with C.J. Abrams that you see? I wouldn't say that I'm concerned with really anything with regard to C.J. Abrams. I've really liked the way that he's played this season. Now, I, I mentioned his consistency issues already just a couple of minutes ago, and and I think that that's just something that, again, comes with you know playing every single day, playing a full 162 games, getting a full season under your belt. He obviously didn't have a full season to get acclimated last year, but you know as the season went along and, and he had a pretty solid August so it was basically, you know, the more he got comfortable, the better he started to look because, you know, when they first put him out there at shortstop, he was uh, he was pretty rough and, and he looked really green. He made a lot of errors. He, he just looked overwhelmed. But I don't get that sense anymore. The guy's a lot sharper defensively. Now, when it comes to his production at the plate, I mentioned he's had some some really clutch late inning hits and, and a couple of home runs as well. You, you love that. and. and I think that that's something that you obviously can't coach that clutch gene. And that could come in handy later down the road when the nationals are, are hopefully playing for division titles again, and, and maybe even a world series. But, you know, before they get to that point, they need guys like CJ Abrams to be more consistent at the plate that average, not quite at two fifty yet, despite the fact that, that he's, you know, ha- had a hit in, in pretty mm-hmm. much every single game recently he's he's generating some sort of offense so but i could also say you know guys like joey manessis had had a, a little bit of a slow start and he's starting to regain his form obviously just went on paternity leave so he's going to be Congrats gone for a little him. bit yeah and and that's fantastic <laughs> it's it's a it's a great reason to be missing baseball games that's for sure <laughs> um but it, you know it he's starting to find his form again so 
we talked about how the Nationals obviously haven't produced a lot of offense, but they've managed to keep these games close. One, two run games, just like this Miami Marlins series. And if guys like Manesis start to get going, Lane Thomas is is someone whose average is, is sniffing 300 right now. It's, you know, right around 280. So, you know, I, th- I think there's a lot of optimism uh, around what the team has been doing at this point, considering, you know, that Kate Cavalli was was a no-go for this season because of his injury. Uh, Robles has missed time because of injury. Manesis is is going to be gone, and and for a good reason, but he is going to be gone. So they, they've they've really managed, I think, to to make the most of, of what's been a really tough situation for them. Absolutely. And, and you mentioned Lane Thomas in there, and that is someone who – I myself, I've been always very high on Lane Thomas because I see him as someone who could come off the bench or even start some games like he has this year and over last year as well and play some productive baseball, not only on the defensive side of things, but on the offensive side of things. And Danny, that is someone who I want to ask you about and where he fits into this future of the Washington Nationals. But before we get into that, I really want to tell you guys about our friends over at So Rare. And guys, This is a revolutionary fantasy baseball game and marketplace transforming fans into owners with officially licensed digital cards featuring players from across all 30 MLB teams. Unlike other fantasy baseball platforms, so rare managers truly own their fantasy experience collecting, buying, selling, and competing with player cards against global opponents to win epic rewards. Win or lose, you still own your cards and there's no cost to play. Plus, the more you win, the more you advance, collecting increasingly powerful cards and accessing next-level competitions and rewards. So Rare has also partnered with MLB All-Stars Juan Soto and Julio Rodriguez to serve as brand ambassadors, so I think that's pretty cool. Julio Rodriguez and Juan Soto, we could say we're co-workers, am I right? Head to SoRare.com slash LockedOn, that's spelled S-O-R-A-R-E.com to draft your team of free player cards, set your lineup, and start competing today to win epic rewards. Again, that's SoRare.com slash LockedOn to start playing. And now we get back into it with Danny Noakes. And as I left that cliffhanger there, I've talked about Lane Thomas a lot on this show. In fact, I talked about him a lot the other day just on this very program. But I still believe that Lane Thomas is not some guy that you're just going to throw away. And what I mean by that is I don't think that he's someone that you're just going to be like, yeah, he's Mike Lay Taylor. He's a fourth outfielder. What this guy has done has impressed me. So where do you think Lane Thomas fits in this next next Nationals run that they could be having up coming up in the next few years? Well, I mentioned that he's he's got one of the highest batting averages on the team right now, and, and that in of itself is impressive considering that this Nationals team right now is playing above the level that we thought that they would be playing at. So, so he's got that going for him, right? He, he's, although still quite young, obviously, and, and one of the older of the this crop of young players i i think he he's got the opportunity to at some point come in and be the older guy you know and and he needs to be focused on his own development right now and and getting better which he's doing he's come up with a lot of clutch hits at, at the end of the game as well he's definitely one of those guys that has delivered for them late in 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 games so far this season but what i'm talking about in the future you know while he's a, still a member of the nationals they're going to have guys like Wood, Green, and Hassel coming up through the, you know, they're already on their way through the farm system. But at some point, 
you're going to have all of those guys to use interchangeably on a day-to-day basis. And, and Lane Thomas can, can make it a really tough decision for, for Davey or whoever the manager is at that point, because I, I think we're probably another year or two away from seeing all three of those guys that I just named up in the majors playing for the nationals. But, Lane himself is talented. You know, he's he's got he's got gap to gap power, you know, and he's he's not the biggest dude, so he's not exactly belting balls out of Nationals Park right now, but you know, the Nationals actually have been a significantly worse team at Nationals Park so far this season. Their their average on the road was above 500 until this this uh, three game sweep to the Miami Marlins. So I- I'm, I'm really encouraged though, when it comes to, to Lane Thomas, um, he's someone that I-, I think is on the right path. You just, it, when it comes to these young guys, consistency, can they keep it up? Can they stay healthy? And do you remember who we traded away Lane Thomas for, or who we traded uh-huh. away for Lane Thomas rather? I should remember, but uh, I, I mean, I'm you should, trying... you shouldn't. Oh, I shouldn't. Okay. All right. It was John Lester. Oh, John John Lester. Yeah, John Lester. Someone who was awful for us back in 2021. I think Mm. Juan Soto, that trade last year and the year before that with Max Scherzer and uh, Trey Turner. I don't care what anyone says. The best trade that Max, or not Max, that Mike Rizzo ever pulled off was trading away John Lester, one of the most pedestrian starting pitchers I have ever seen for a somewhat (laughs) competitive team in that early part of 2021. He was so pedestrian, and we got Lane Thomas in return. It's not like Lane Thomas is some hell of a baseball player, but this guy does a little bit of everything, and he's a fourth outfielder on a good team. I don't care what anyone says. So Mike Rizzo, tip of the cap. I mean, you you robbed that deal. (laughs) Yeah, and, and, you know, Lester – Lester has had quite a good career, got a couple yes, of World yes. Series and, and whatnot, you know, so he he's just he was just on the downslope at that point. <laughs> I and it's also I've always and I bring this up all the time. Uh, I, I just have some beef with John Lester because when the day that he got <laughs> traded, he actually gave the middle finger to a bunch of Nationals fans and what? Cubs fans as well. On oh, his man. way out. That is the rumored story. And wow. uh, a lot of credible people have wrote have written about that back in 2020. I believe there's actually even a picture out there, if I remember correctly. Maybe oh. uh, someone listening can tag us in on that and uh, get us on that. But uh, that's just a side note of that. <laughs> but let's get back into the 2023 Nationals. As obviously, it's not just Lane Thomas who has been relatively productive. I look at third base and what Jamer Candelario has done so far. And obviously, he was a little banged up and a little nicked up here and there. But so far in the year, this guy's batting 250 with a 745 OPS, playing a very solid third base. Has he been someone that not only has surprised you, but is he someone that you look forward to seeing kind of night in and night out? And what should they do with him at the trade deadline? He's he's the perfect. I think he's the perfect older guy for for this group. You know, he's he's really come into his role absolutely perfectly. First of all, he's playing a great third base right now. Mm-hmm. I think he's very good defensively. He's he's got a really strong arm over there, which is exactly what you're looking for. So you know, when when he's playing next to C.J. Abrams, who's so young, and then Luis Garcia up the middle, who's also still so young. He's over at first. Dom Smith is is doing just fine. I think. But Candelario has, has really stood out to me, not just defensively, as I was talking about, though, offensively as well. He, you know, going having a couple of hits in, in the Marlins game yesterday, including a home run. He's he's been really hot lately. And when he's been healthy, 
yeah, he's he's been someone that that you can really count on. So I, I think it's been him and, and Manasis who have who have really been the older guys to kind of you know get the the younger uh, position players to 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 be motivated coming into these games and and to be competitive late into so many of these games. Like I keep bringing up the the close one and two run games that they've played a lot of them and and they're winning some of them. You know mm-hmm. they're not winning all of them. I just mentioned they three in a row to the Marlins. Okay. Yeah. That's, you know, the Marlins aren't a bad team this year though. The The no. Marlins are, the Marlins are solid. The entire national league East is solid. It's not as good as the American league East, but it's yeah. still, it's still a darn good division. So can Candelario is, is a, is a great, I think older dude for this team. Now you mentioned what do they do with, with someone like him at the trade deadline? That's where the conversations start to get tough because it's going to be Candelario, Manessis, it's going to be, you know, in an ideal situation, if Patrick Corbin keeps pitching well, maybe you can offload that contract for, for, you know, something oh, yeah. more than, than, than what they're getting out of Corbin right now. Well, and, and, you know, Corbin is, I think to, to be considered for something like that, going to have to pitch his best games that he has over the last couple of seasons up until the trade deadline for something like that to happen. So Candelaria and Manessis is what it really comes down to. And, you know, I think I, I don't even think it really matters what we think because we really have a good idea of what this franchise likes to do in those situations. And that's trade those guys away. Absolutely. And Jamer Candelario is my ideal candidate to trade away at the deadline. Mm-hmm. 29 years old, a veteran player who's been around on not so great teams, but I believe he caught the back end of that Tigers run in the mid to late 2010s there. But Candelario has won. We were told that he wasn't that great of a fielder coming into this year. Mm. So far, he's held it down really well in my opinion and honestly been a well above average defender especially considering we had Michael Franco last year to start the year that was a disaster at third base it was a complete utter disaster but also I think Dominic Smith's one you mentioned as well Mm. on the defensive side of things he deserves a ton of credit because I would have to look deeper into this but I guarantee you Dominic Smith has saved a ton of throwing errors from not just Candelario, but CJ Abrams, Abrams in particular. I know he's done it with uh, Luis Garcia as well. Yeah. So he's bailed out a ton of those guys, which not only helps them in their numbers, it helps the pitching staff out tremendously. It helps the starting pitching out tremendously. It helps the bullpen out tremendously. Having a solid core over at that first base position has really helped this Washington Nationals team, in my opinion. But the Nationals do play the Tigers tonight. At 710, obviously, we got to watch this game. It's not Max Scherzer versus the Tigers anymore, but it's still interesting. The Nats Hometown Broadcast is with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Nationals on there. But, of course, before we get into I want to talk to Danny about some of the draft that this Nationals have coming up with the number two overall pick. And there is a debate going on out there. Should you go starting pitcher? Or do you take an impact bat with that second overall pick? We're going to tackle that topic next. But before we do that, i got to tell you guys about our friends over at Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs, they sent me a few pair of shorts the other day, and I cannot tell you how comfortable they are. It is just a 
nice fabric that fits well, and it just makes my legs look great. And they're comfier than any other shorts and pants that I've ever had. They give me the freedom to wear one pair of shorts and pants on the golf course to a meeting, a date, or hanging out with friends. That's how versatile that bird dogs are. Burt Kreischer wakes up at his lake house wearing bird dogs, goes for a swim, smokes a cigar, grills burgers, and chills with his family all in the shorts that he associates with the summer. And that is our friends at Bird Dogs. So go to birddogs.com slash locked on MLB. And when you enter code locked on MLB, they'll throw in a free custom bird dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order. Again, that's birddogs.com slash locked on MLB. Go find them today. And now we get back into it with my friend Danny Noakes from 1067 The Fan. You can find him over on Twitter at Danny Noakes as well and check out all the stuff that he has going on there. And Danny, the big topic around town right now surrounding the draft, we're still a little while out. There's still a lot of, of placeholders that need to be developed with. Is it going to be the pitcher from LSU with Paul Skeens? Is it going to be the outfielder, Wyatt Langford from Florida? But it's not really about those two guys. I want to get down to the philosophy of GM Danny Noakes. With that number two overall pick, with the guys that you know that we have in the farm system now, what do you prefer? An impact bat or are you looking at an impact starting pitcher? Well, the, the thought of adding another impact starting pitcher to what's already a very young and promising rotation is really intriguing and, and something that can't be overlooked or overstated. You know, adding someone like Skeens, it, it's just you have the potential to really just not give anybody a, a night off with with who out you're throwing out there on the mound. And that's something that comes up so clutch in the playoffs and Nationals fans obviously know that well. So much of the success of that Nationals team in 2019 that won the World Series was because of the starting pitching. And it was also because of the starting pitchers coming in and pitching some very valuable Corbin. innings in relief. And that's where Corbin was was his most valuable self, was, was in relief, particularly in Game 7 there of, of the World Series. So, you know, adding someone like Skeens just you, – you, you, you fantasize about that sort of thing, having five guys that can go out there and, and get you a win pretty much every single night. But then you look over at someone like Langford and, you know, the Nationals aren't necessarily known for, for their offense, even throughout that 2019 World Series. Mm -hmm. Got some big hits, obviously, guys like Juan Soto had some big moments, Rendon, Howie Kendrick, uh, but they they weren't necessarily known for the offense. And they have had really talented offensive players come through here between Bryce Harper, Trey Turner, Juan Soto, right? Uh, so adding someone like Langford into an outfield that could someday consist of Lane Thomas, uh, Elijah Green, James Wood, and Robert Hassel, I mean, that's that's something ridiculous as well. But so if we start to get into the decision behind, you know, which of these guys you're actually going to take. I know we talked a little bit about it off air before we jumped on here. And, and I was kind of leaning towards Langford, the outfielder, but I'm, I'm going to actually change my mind on the fly here. And I'm going to say that Skeens is, is the way to go. And I think it's because Skeens as, as a pitcher is 
as highly touted a pitching prospect as is apparently we've seen since Steven Strasburg. And and you know, although Strasburg has he's had his ups and downs, he's had a lot of injuries. We him at his best at at the absolute ceiling, the peak of of his powers, he's one of the top five pitchers in baseball, and there's no debating that. Now, whether or not we see that Steven Strasburg again is is a big question, but to get another arm like that in in Skeens, I think certainly doesn't it, it allows you to sort of not worry as much about Strasburg, but it gives you another guy to look forward to in Skeens and, and to add into a rotation that already has Josiah Gray um, and, and, and some of the other younger guys that are coming in, right? Like Mackenzie Gore has, has acclimated himself well and Cade Cavalli will hopefully be back next year. So I, I think Skeens, because he's just, he's, he's, he seems like a, a, another generational arm of a pitching prospect and knowing that the nationals actually do have some good outfield prospects on their way up right now between Hassel green and wood. I, I think I'm most comfortable taking Skeens. Absolutely. And I've been trying to make that argument. And a lot of people are like, Oh, well, what about the injury history with not just Skeens in particular, it's just injury history with pitchers. That's why a lot of people say the analytics people in general, I'm in analytics. I think you are as well. But at the end of the day, if you're going to be promising Paul Skeens to be the best pitching prospect since Steven Strasburg back in that 2010 draft, he was the slam dunk number one pick. Mm-hmm. The reason why that he isn't this year is because there's another generational prospect with Dylan Cruz, again, his teammate from LSU. But Paul Skeens in this season, which, by the way, this is his first season in the SEC and he because he was at Air Force over the last two years before this. And not only was he at Air Force, He was a two-way player there. And by the way, he raked and he pitched really well. But in his first year in SEC baseball, again, way better than the Mountain West Conference with San Diego State, he is going up against much better competition and doing so. He has 17 strikeouts per nine innings. He has 152 strikeouts in 79 and two-thirds innings pitched this year with a 192 ERA and again, 13 starts. This is someone who not only has just been dominant in general, he is dominating at the highest level when it comes to college pitching. This is an, I mean, I don't even know what to compare it to with college football. Let's say Bryce Young. Bryce Young is putting up Joe Burrow like, I mean, actually, what am I saying? Joe Burrow is the comparison. Joe Burrow of college football is what Paul Skeens is of college baseball. That is the kind of numbers that Paul Skeens is putting up. Some people may call that crazy. I just came up with that analogy right here, right now. But I'm willing to go that far because we have never seen something like this when it comes to Paul Skeens. And I think he's only going to get better. And also, if I may add, he doesn't have the mileage that other starting pitchers throughout college do have because he was a two-way player at Air Force. This is his first year. And again, it's only 79 and two-thirds innings. I'm sure he'll probably finish 100-plus innings this year, which is what you want to see from him. But I think at the end of the day, it's got to be Paul Skeens for what we are promised. But we got a lot of time to go for that. But what are your overall thoughts on the draft going forward? And uh, then we'll wrap up there. Well, the the last thing that I would say about Skeens in particular is that if he were to come into the Nationals organization, you know, 
you've got Josiah Gray, you got Mackenzie Gore, Cade Cavalli's coming back next year. Jake Irvin's actually been pretty solid for for a young guy. You know, maybe he sticks around. So that fifth spot opens up, and and you hope that someday it gets filled by Skeens. Well, that's good that you have so many other stud pitchers around him so you don't have to rely as much on schemes there's not as much pressure on, on him to to come in and perform when you know that you've got four other guys that can go out there and and get your win on any given night so obviously a prospect and and you're talking about him the way that a lot of people are that there's a lot of hype um so he's going to come in with plenty of pressure as it is but oh, yeah. if if you come into an established rotation like the Nationals, you would hope in, in the next couple of years are because they're still very young right now. That's just going to help him, I think, as he develops and, and takes some of the, the pressure to reach those high pitch counts really early on in his career, which a lot of times is where we see injuries happen to those younger pitchers. Absolutely. And that is Danny Noakes. I'm Ryan Clary. Danny, I always appreciate you hopping on, man. Where can the people find you at over on Twitter and social media? Yeah, at Danny Noakes on Twitter, at Danny.Noakes on Instagram. Uh, I'm active on both of those. Not not in posting, but, uh, you know, I visit every day. I don't have any shows on 106.7 The Fan coming up anytime soon, but I will keep you posted on that, and we will stay locked on the Nationals all season long. Looking <laughs> forward to it, buddy. Thank you so much for having me. I always appreciate it. It's good to talk to you. No problem, Danny. And that is Locked On Nationals for today. Thank you guys for making us your first listen every day as we are free and available wherever you get your podcast. The Nationals get ready to take on the Detroit Tigers for this weekend. Make sure to catch all that action and more. I'll have that recap for you on Monday right here on Locked On Nationals. Check us out over on YouTube at LO. Or actually, check us out on Twitter at LO underscore Nationals. Check out the YouTube feed at Locked On Nationals. I'll catch you guys on the flip side. Go Nats.